Today's episode is brought to you by the Vegas Beer Guys and the Brew Bar. The Everything Sequel podcast contains explicit language, and I will not go to my room. Hello and welcome to the Everything Sequel Podcast. This is the Tremors Edition. Today we're talking Tremors, Shrieker Island. My name is Michael Schantz from the How Dare You Awards. With me, the invaluable Tom Stewart from Lonesome Whistle Productions. Hit me, Tom. Oh, fart in a bag. We were about to start, and Tom said, wait, what's my line? I can't believe you forgot it for even a half a second. <laughs> I was just thrown by the fact that it wasn't Burt Gummer. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, uh, John Hader's Jimmy. Well, look, this is our, this is our, our first extremely recent sequel. That's right, yeah. Is it not? The first time we... In you know, at the time of recording, I've done a, an uh, an entirely new release. We both watched it days after it, where uh, Streaker Island came out on on VOD. Right. At the time of this taping, this movie is not even a month old. Right. Um, so, spoiler it, alert: there's spoilers. <laughs> yeah, there really are. Um, but uh, yeah, it was kind of it's exciting. You know, this this. It's interesting. But by the time this comes out, if you haven't seen it, eh, fuck yourself. Yeah, I don't have much time for those people anyway. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, this is this is serious film analysis. We need to include, you know, spoilers. The shit in that it. happens. Right. Yeah. Uh, we well, we're sk- talking about Tremors Shrieker Island, a 2020 film. Ooh. Boy, is a it. A film that dares to come out in this film fucking nightmare of a year <laughs> i was talking to a friend the other day they said uh because everybody's talking about how 2020 is a dumpster fire and then mm. they said dumpster fires must be having their feelings hurt at this point because yeah. even they aren't as bad at least they're immobile they usually just stay right there <laughs> if i was a dumpster fire i'd be like how else are you gonna get rid of this stuff yeah right <laughs> this is bullshit <laughs> Yeah, I, I might I, burn all your shit, but I'm no 2020. Oh, fuck yourself. Yeah, and I, as I think we previously mentioned on our um, ranking minisode, you know, there is a whether it's coincidental or a, a reshoot. There's there's a there's a fairly overt reference to co- coronavirus in here. Yeah, at one point they talk about a viral pandemic, um, in a way that makes it clear that. Uh, it's they at least, know what's going on. Well, it's at least pointed up in the screenplay. It's it's however it came about. It's very eerie, and mm-hmm. makes this feel even more recent than it is because it, it's talking about something that uh, is so present and that is fucking happening. <laughs> yeah, and that most <laughs> most media has not been able to discuss because we can't make that kind of media. While this is going on. While it's happening, right. Uh, so, you know, breaking news in the Tremors franchise. Yeah, exactly. And, well, uh, Don know, Michael Paul is back to direct yeah. this film. Uh, I lost I lost my way on Don Michael Paul on our last episode, but uh, he, uh, I am, I remembering now, he is the professional sequel maker. Two fucking sniper movies, two jarheads, a kindergarten cop sequel, a Lake Placid sequel. Mm-hmm. Holy shit! And he's back, so he's helmed the last three of these movies. Yeah. And uh, I'd say this is his masterpiece. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what the video equivalent of that uh, is. Vastapiece? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> this is his vastapiece. It's his masterpiece of shit. Well, my, I mean, my first thoughts about this movie is that you know that. If I didn't know this was a video sequel, there's no evidence of that on screen. There's, yeah, there really isn't. There, there, it, 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 very much takes on a cinematic scope. Yeah, it does not look direct to video. 
Yeah, the, the exactly the And that's one of the first is, things I noticed. Scope is the right thing. You you um it, the scale of it feels cinematic, you know, mm-hmm. uh it's it's immediately epic in in scale and style, sweeping music, you know, these big giant helicopter shots. Yeah. And just, you know, the fact that they're real animals on this island that we see. I don't know why that impressed me so much. <laughs> you I like guess that? it's more I guess it's at this point it's more expensive to digitize an animal than to just have, to have an animal. animal. <laughs> maybe maybe that is cutting corners economically, but in terms of like the films that I know and think of, you know, if you think of like the biblical epics of yesteryear, the more animals you had in that, the more money is on screen. Right. And I guess I'm thinking along those terms. And um I, I, I like I obviously that that's striking. The other thing that's striking is, you know, how present this idea of it as a kind of island jungle monster movie is from the first few seconds of the yeah, movie. Yeah, right. Yeah. It plays that up to eleven. And uh I just I just love that. You know, right down to the schlocky B movie titles. Um which, <laughs> And just like, wow, this movie's being made in a particular genre style, and it's hitting all those notes really well. Well, and it has a very most dangerous game feel. We were off off air. We were talking. I can't remember when it was. Just coincidentally, about this subgenre of, uh, I guess, island jungle movies uh-huh. where people hunt the deadliest game of all, right. man. Yeah. And we were trying to think, think this is like a weird subgenre. Yeah. And this movie the cold open of this movie is basically that, you know, you think right, you're hunting right. a graboid. The graboids are, are under control. They're hunting, you know, they're they're just basically like feeding a man to a graboid. <laughs> um seeing if he survives. Uh and he's doing parkour which, you know, he's about 15 years too late. But still Right. It, it gets you know you it you 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 need to see someone jumping up a tree, just to get the sense of like that this is an island movie. Mm-hmm. I think. But I I mean, to your point, I love the lean in to this island horror. Yeah, island horror exactly. That's that's what it is. And uh, yeah, it's great. There's a little later on. There's a little bit of um, uh, I know what you did last summer. Whichever yeah. one, whichever one of those movies is Pick in the one. Bahamas, yeah. <laughs> um, the same thing happens where you know they, they jam the comlinks to the island, so the island right. is essentially a haunted house, um, which is apparent what you have to do when you're an island horror. You have to cut it off from the rest. You of the world. You have to cut off from the rest of the world, right? Yeah. And and you know in in Bill you have a a, a villain in a lunatic mold, and I don't think we've seen that in the series before. True, like a crazy, so, you know, crazy Colonel this... Kurt style villain. I I really went on a a roller coaster ride in the first say ten fifteen minutes twenty minutes of this movie. Like you said, when it opened, I was like, "Ooh, island horror! I'm into this." Yeah. Then I started seeing hipster hunters, <laughs> and, and and what's that character's? What's Black Hat's name? Bill. Yeah, so played by I, Richard Brake. Yeah. Uh. So when I first see him, I think, I think two things simultaneously. I think this character's pretty delicious, and yeah. by no means do I believe that he is a tech giant. <laughs> that doesn't make sense at all. Well, I also I also don't believe that John Hader's Jimmy has, has a doctorate. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm so, willing. To, I'm willing to let it. Uh, in both cases, I'm willing to let it pass. Pass. Um, I think Bill. Bill. Makes oh yeah, it. I dropped him immediately. <laughs> and uh, actually, I know the moment, the exact moment that I did drop it because I, I think I, I went into this film wary because of the last movie. Yeah, definitely. So I thought they had finally turned a corner to to shitty movies. <laughs> and so there's this moment, and my note here is: Have we learned nothing, Michael? Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> But my note is they start talking about 
the so in this movie we have a another surrogate for for Bert. Uh, Travis is not in this movie. There will no, be he's no in a Mexican Jamie jail. Yeah, there'll be no Jamie Kennedy. He's in a Mexican jail. Long story. Right. That we but, will never hear. Thank and and I love that. I love how efficiently and comically he is just it's weird that just removed, yeah. It's kind of weird that well, not weird, but it's interesting that they even have to account he mean they even have to account for him not being in the movies. I mean, he's been in two, two. of these many sequels. Yeah. So he obviously, you know, he's he's had He made an impression. He made an impression enough that they need to write him out of the movie. But my note is, because they the, these two PhDs start talking about Bert Gummer as if they fucking know him mm-hmm. and what happened to Travis. So my note was, why do two PhDs from the wildlife preservation know Bert and Travis? They don't, but the screenplay does. And then mm-hmm. I was immediately proved wrong because... Yeah. The one of the PhDs is his fucking mom. Yeah, is Travis's mom. And, right. And all of a sudden, I was like, "I'm fully on board for this movie. Right. You have answered all my questions. Yeah. Let's go." Yeah, and I uh, back back to your point about it being, you know, uh, the the tech giants. I kind of like that. It. I, I like the reveal of it being like a city slickers style. You know, dude ranch. Yeah. On a on a monster island, I like that. Um, you said we talk about it again. <laughs> I did. Um, I think you know, and and Bill is like Tom Petty, rebooted by Rob Zombie. Yeah. <laughs> and if you look at Richard Brake's IMDb, his career tells the same story. <laughs> He's Does worked it? with. I I I thought that. Before I saw that he'd actually worked with Rob Zombie. <laughs> That's fantastic. <laughs> so, yeah. What is he, a, a House of a Thousand Corpses kind of a guy? or Sorry? Is he a House of a Thousand Corpses kind of a guy? I think or? One, one of those, yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I, yeah, I... Spoiler alert, uh, before we get to Bert dying... Um... <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, love, I, I love... Well, the cat's out of the bag now. <laughs> A few, I have a, I had a few reservations about the sidekick in this one, and you know. Uh, I did too. I think. If I was being honest, I missed Travis, but yeah, I, I didn't think I would ever miss Jamie Kennedy in anything, but right. uh, certainly not the Scream franchise. And but, I was uh, not fully on board for for Header at no. first, but he won me over. He just about won me over, and I think I think it was when I started to think of him not as a. As a Napoleon, single, you know, not, not like a developed character, but he is—he is whatever the sidekick needs to be mm-hmm. at different points in the movie. And when I started to think of him like that, I'm like, he's like the summation of all the sidekicks that Burt Gummer's had. Yeah, he really is, isn't he? I mean, he—he's an amalgam of everybody. He's a little bit grady, and this is why this is why it's so problematic that he is some kind of scientist, right? Because he just seems like a really stupid fuck for a lot of. Uh, yeah, he seems like a genuinely stupid person. Um, and I think that's because he is like wearing so many different sidekick hats. At one point, he becomes like an aspiring survivalist. So he's like the kind of he's like Bert's protege at one point, which I didn't really see well, coming. Yeah. And, I, and mean, at that just... point, I sort of realized like, oh, like oh, he's just what it you know he's an all-purpose sidekick. But he fluctuates from scene to scene between bravery and cowardice. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's when he started getting interesting to me. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I agree. And uh, I, I I like what was kind of interesting in comparison to Cold Day in Hell is that there are a lot of callbacks to the previous sequels, but done in a very subtle, nuanced way. I love the fact that the first time we see Bert, he he's a kind of version of um, the Bert in a cage in Bloodlines. Mm-hmm. But like more sort of Robinson crucified. Yeah, right. But like the similar kind of like. But the things we love about that cage Bert. scene. Yeah. yeah, right. 
like this sort of like what would a survivalist Bert really look like? And this takes it to the nth degree. If he took a, a couple of years away from society. <laughs> yeah, and and I'm immediately and again like politically I'm on board because it's almost like that. You know, we're, now we're thankfully coming out of the the Trump era, the first Trump administration, and it's like people like Bert are just these kind of tragic, shipwrecked figures. Yeah, these right. these kind of relics and remnants of this era. Um, but then I love that they do the you know they do this the great sequel thing where you know someone says to him, "You're the only one who can do this." Which in well, sequelies, damn it, <laughs> in sequelies translates to "You're the only one who keeps coming back." Yeah, right. <laughs> Without you, not, we don't I'm got a ne- movie. Never not surprised that Michael Gross comes back. Never nope. not surprised, even when I know he's in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good stuff. I, I, you know, I really love that. That whole scene where they go to find him. That's great. Yeah. I mean, I just think it's fantastic. He grew his hair out, grew his mm-hmm. beard out. It, we're actually watching him cut all that shit off in real time. And it's good to, you know, it, you know the the iconography of, of Bert is so familiar now. It's good to sort of mess it up once in a while. And, and this is this is what Tremors, the legend begins, did really well. You know, like... Uh, Albeit through him playing his ancestor, which is yeah. not something that I'm usually in favor of. We got to see like different parts of the Burt persona kind of come out. And I think they're doing the same here. They're just messing up the iconography a little bit. Um, and showing how kind of how we can still show different sides of the Burt persona. Well, and it's interesting. It's is there anything to the idea that Bert on an island by himself means that the world and the government won? You know, like he has to make a choice to just remove himself from all of that shit. And so long as he shaves his head and his beard and is fighting graboids. Yeah. You know, he's 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 still got a a, a, a fighting chance in the world versus uh, all his adversaries, you know, adversaries possibly given the way this movie plays out i i suspect what bert represents is represented here as dying mhm though you know somewhat necessary yeah at least as a kind of like a as a as a as a kind of sacrificial lamb you know this is very much like his his last stand his sort of custom moment do you think that's a conscious choice by the screenwriters, the director? Um, not necessarily. No, I think. Okay. It's really interesting to think about, though, isn't it? Well, I, I mean, I, I get the sense of you know, it's like what, what however we like. Certainly, this feels just because they're willing to go through with actually putting him in a grave, mm-hmm. and and giving all indications that. He really is gone um, to various devices. Uh, that you know, that there's there's not, and one of the things I really like about this movie is there's not much nostalgia for what's come before. Yeah, that's true. It's like you know, this might be the this is going to be the last Burt Gummer Tremors. It might be the last ever Tremors sequel. Right. Um. And that actually, again, again, like compared to Cold Day and Hell, where it's like, I'm so excited about the prospect of what this movie is. With Shrieker Island, it's like, I'm, I'm scared mm-hmm. about the, these huge choices that this movie's making and what might happen. But the way that the, I think they pull it off in pretty much every regard Um and you know it would it, it it would be a perfect end to the series if that's yeah. what they're they're envisioning. Um, but I I got a sort of sense that something big was coming, not because not because you know they were they were doing what they did in Cold Day in Hell and talking about his legacy and all that sort of stuff, but 
just because Bill, this kind of larger-than-life villain, dies 30 minutes before yeah, the end right. of the movie. And I'm like, I'm like, well, if he's out of the movie, what's this movie going to be got, about yeah, from well, now on? And I thought, exactly. at that point, I thought, oh, they might actually pull the trigger on this. They might actually let this be Bert's last uh, appearance. Uh, right. And I had the same thoughts. But then it also, you know, it's funny. Speaking of roller coaster rides with with Header, I was not on board. Then yeah. he started winning me over. Yeah. But then when, like you, I started thinking, wait, what's the end of this movie going to be? Is it going, you know? And how much more effective would that have been if Jamie Kennedy, his son, was there? I know. Yeah. That would have been really great, you know? Yes, it, it, it it's it's a shame you couldn't sort of switch them out. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like just John John Hader would have would have worked would have solved a lot of problems of in Cold Day in Hell that right. Jamie Kennedy doesn't solve and and vice versa here. But um given that he's not in the movie, I like the way that he was dispatched and, you know, then have yeah. his mother in the movie and then you actually do something that still refers back to Bert's backstory. It gives us a character that we've heard about but never seen before. Um, it's actually a really good way to go. Yeah. It doesn't doesn't abandon the family dynamic that we've established in the last two movies, but Absolutely. acknowledges the fact that, for whatever reason, that's not going to happen with Jamie Kennedy, and we should just deal with that. Yeah. Um, All right, well, we're talking about the end of the film, but we're just starting the podcast. So we're going to take a break, and when we come back, we're going to dive deeper into Tremors, Shrieker Island. Stay tuned. I like to think I know something about beer, but nowadays even I get overwhelmed when confronted by the exhaustive selection of craft beers they have at bars, breweries, and even grocery stores. Back in the day you had one, maybe two craft beers to choose from, and if you were confused, you ordered a Guinness. But in beer stations like San Diego, the craft beer options lately are in double, sometimes even triple, digits. So what's a beer drinker to do? You need what I need, the Vegas Beer Guys. Your beer of choice should be a perfect blend of malt and hops. And so a live show about beer needs that same balance. And the Vegas Beer Guys matches beer expert Dan Aker with self-proclaimed beer novice Stephen J. Weiss. The results are eminently drinkable. They're on Facebook. They're on Instagram. They'll try new beers. They'll tell you about beers. Think of them as your beer sherpas guiding you up a foamy-headed mountain to reach the peak of your pint. God, I need a beer. And we're back. Tom and I are here discussing the 2020 film. Man, it sounds weird to say that. Tremors, Shrieker Island. Yeah, it does, yeah. A movie released this year when there are no movies just, being released this year. <laughs> just Shrieker Island and Tenet. That's, That's the it. only two yeah. movies that came out in 2020. <laughs> and this one, I, not I, I a like, I like the idea. I like the idea that the people behind Tremors, you know, that their response to there being virtually no movies being released is like, Oh, we're going to put out a trend. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we're not going to let a global viral pandemic stop us making video sequels for That's Tremors. not going to slow us down one bit. Yeah. 9-11 didn't stop us. This isn't going to stop us. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck. That's great. All right. So I think we've alluded to it. I mean, we have talked about it. So the, the crux of this movie is... Uh, Graboids are discovered on an island, a private island, I might add. Mm-hmm. Can I, th- this this begs the question, though. I I found this unusual that apparently there are people living on that island, natives to that island. When you buy an yeah. island, have you you know? It's like he <laughs> did he buy people, <laughs> or is he supposed to take care of them? How's that work? It's a really. 
It's a really good question. I immediately thought of of uh, Marlon Brando, and you know he owned an island in Tahiti. Right. It's like, does that mean he is actually Doctor Moreau? <laughs> Like, he just owns whatever's on the (laughs) island and can, like, you know, turn them into half Half cheetah, half animals. (laughs) That was my first thought. Uh, It's a really good question. I I would assume that they don't own the people, but you kind of let them live there under your um, auspices. But uh, you're absolutely right to raise that question. However, the movie does not answer it. No, no. My note is, who buys an island of indigenous people? Right, exactly. But, uh, why is this called Shrieker Island, by the way? Are there more Shriekers than Graboids in this movie? Uh, yeah, well, I mean, my, my assumption was that, um, you know, we haven't seen a Shrieker for a while, yeah. right? That it kind of, it, it's it's a monster, you know, out of all the different monsters that come out of this one fucking worm the shrieker kind of got short shrift mm-hmm. and it's kind of got lost in the I'll shuffle tell you... so i like that it... sorry go ahead no i like that it's called you know you, you're right that probably proportionally it's not it's uh, not like we're just dealing shriek. with a bunch of shriekers <laughs> no but i like the fact that it's sort of like hey we haven't talked about shriekers for okay. a while let's do that and and the shriekers shriek yes which is a big component of the movie. So I guess that's what they're alluding to. It is kind of misleading, but again, misleading in that way that all B movie titles are do you know, and do I'm married well. A zo- <laughs> yeah, I, I'm I'm married a zombie. It's like you're not expecting, uh, you know, a, a, a Tahitian version of Jane Eyre when you see that title. And likewise here, there there are shriekers and they're on an island, but. The Shrieker Island somehow doesn't tell the whole story. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, and also I found, let me ask you this, what you thought about, because, it, you know, Shriekers have been around a while. Shriekers have been around since Tremors 2 Aftershocks. That's right. But yeah. this is the first time where we are just blatantly taking scenes from Predator. Yeah. Including the music, yes. you know, <laughs> the, the heartbeat. We, we... When they show the the you know the uh, infrared versions of of characters, it's all straight from Predator, and I just thought to myself, well, now what the hell are you guys doing? You did your own thing. Why is this all of a sudden part of your deal? And what you know, they 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 make reference to that. They say like Predator. Yeah. Um, is that enough? I don't know. Yeah, that's like, um, did it make you laugh, or were you like, what was your reaction? I felt. I mean, I, I, I could tell it was it was deliberate to make your monster movie references as overt as possible, because yeah. they talk about Godzilla, they talk about King Kong, uh, they visually reference you know movies like Anaconda. Yes. Yeah. Um, so, I feel like it's it's they're not be you know they're not being coy about that about their plagiarism. Um, Not at all. You know, we're back to the we're back to the Die Hard to Die Harder. You know, is it enough to look at the camera, Bugs Bunny style, and say, you know, how can the same shit happen <laughs> yeah. to the same guy twice? You know, is it is it enough to know that you're doing a thing that? I think that's why is, I forgave it and yeah. and kind of liked it because it was just so overt. Yeah, you couldn't I think, mistake I think, it for anything else. Yeah, and they talk about aliens, the island of Doctor Moreau. Right. Um, in an in a non-slavery capacity, not like we we've been <laughs> yes, talking right. about it. Um, so uh, I again, I, I, I sort of I'll, I'll give it I'll give it a pass. I think if it if it hadn't come out of the gates at the beginning of the movie and told us how much this was gonna be and and you know an island based mm-hmm. jungle monster movie, I think maybe I would have been a little little more kind of wary of it. Um, but. It's it's at least consistent throughout the movie. It's not like suddenly we're we're you know in Predator, having not been made to think about those kind of movies beforehand. Right. But you know, is that enough? I I I don't know. I think, and also I get the flip side of that is I don't mind because I think this is a legitimate addition to those kinds of monster movies. Okay, yeah. I mean, the, the the Graboids 
I don't know. I mean, I think it's mostly about lighting. I'm sure it's about how the digital technologies improve to be able to integrate the monsters into the movie. But, you know, it, they're lit well. They look mm -hmm. good. You see just the right amount of monster. It's not too oblique. It's not too showy. Um, they do it with with kind of real style. Um, and uh, I, I just loved every time I saw the monsters, I thought, yeah, that's that's just right. They're just suspenseful enough and just kind of schlocky enough to pull off what kind of a movie they're trying to do. Yeah. That's what the way I, I you know, I, I thought it was great. There's a lot of good fun shit in this movie. Yeah. And it's, I like I, the I rich think... people bits. <laughs> <laughs> that was pretty fun. I think this, what this movie's really good at, which I think, when you're a sequel this late on in a, in a franchise, you have to be on point with, is they know how to reuse old footage, old kind of tropes. They know how to integrate it into something that's interesting and unique. Right. Like, you know, you've got a stark contrast between watching the reality, watching Burt's reality show here and in Cold Day to Hell. Mm-hmm. You know, like, that's kind of done there just for exposition purposes in A Cold Day for Hell. Here, it actually starts a conversation about, you know, what is Bert Gummer? You know, who is Bert right, Gummer? yeah. Is he someone we want to get in bed with, basically? Yeah, exactly. right. Um, is he someone we can trust? I love the fact that, that, that that's, you know, our, you know, it articulates our conflicted views of Bert over the series. Um, and they use the, the reality show to, to kind of, talk to start that conversation i love it well he certainly is a known it... entity even right. by the hunters yeah. even bill knows who he is yeah uh but you know it's interesting that what he represents is so i love that so he also of... he says bill says biotech is my day job <laughs> <laughs> really i'm all about killing monsters on islands but in my spare time biotech and you've never seen anybody and, that looks less biotech than fucking Bill. I, I know, yeah. But, well, this is a, this is a, a in in, in some respects, I, I I feel like, I feel like some of the characters are the best versions of the character archetypes we've seen before, mm -hmm. and others are kind of good but confusing. I mean, Freddy, you know, we've seen a lot of badass women in this series. Mm -hmm. Freddy, to me, feels like the most kind of authentic, legitimate. Some of that is, you know, is obviously like, you know, ethnic casting and the difference that that makes. Also, the fact she was in Orange is the New Black. Mm -hmm. But a lot of that is just to do with how she plays. I was going to say, I think it's more performance. Like she she she's selling. Yeah, I really, I really kind of I really buy yeah. that. Um, I, I buy that Bill is fucking crazy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um uh I, you know and I, it's certainly you know having, being crazy uh, is the only thing that can explain his fucking the choices he makes <laughs> sure sure uh and caroline langrish as uh yaz mm -hmm. is great um you know she's she's like she's a veteran of british quality tv drama she's a very familiar face at least to me you know any kind of PBS Sunday night drama, she'll have been in it at some point. Yeah, um, kind of masterpiece. Let me ask you stuff. this because I have a note that says, and tell me what you think, based on. You know, you it came out twenty twenty. You assume they're filming during twenty nineteen. Not necessarily. Yeah, that's true. But <laughs> is Bill supposed to be Trump? Was something I wrote down. Was that a conscious choice? Like the amount of his lunacy and how it was not stopping. Is that a, mm. is that, is that a conscious reference to Trump or is Bill just, Bill? um, if I was to go with, a, you know, a, a, an analogous contemporary politician, I'd say he's more in the kind of Mitch McConnell, 
Lindsey Graham. I was just going to say, yeah. The second you said another mold. person, I thought, oh, maybe Lindsey Graham. Because he, the, the, they, you know, that he kind of holds the balance of power on the island and everyone expects him to do the right thing and he never right. does. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like the Senate to me. And there, chicanery. Uh, yeah, I think all those things are certainly going on that's the thing with with like in if you stay with Burt Gummer you have to address continually address what he means based on how American politics is shifting yeah and I think we do get a sense here that uh that yeah I, I Bert is Bert is kind of an impossible figure or at least we have to have a serious conversation about what it is that he represents um and you know how is this is it this movie or the the cold day in hell where they talk about where she's where yaz oh it must be this one um yaz talks about Bert's, you know his predilection to go it alone yeah can't exist in anymore right right and i think that's I think that is really, you know, to sort of say, like, you know, your rugged individualism is something that is harming the, the world. world around yeah, you. Yeah, right. <laughs> but, you know, you know, it's also acknowledged that, that uh, you know, Bert, there's a Bert Gummer day. I know. Exists. I know. That he's, a, you know, some they say he's a superhero in some circles, which is such a great... Right way of yeah. putting it like it's like to the nut jobs he's fucking he's, christopher yeah, exactly. reeve <laughs> oh, that's too good um but i get the sense that this movie is is one of the is, is one of the the movies that, that wants to confront Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's one of the in- the Bert Gummer intervention movies. <laughs> Wants to confront Bert about his overall behavior. <laughs> it's the sense that I get. Uh. Um, yeah, and I th- I think this movie is a- is asking bigger questions about Bert Gummer's character and also his ideology, for yeah. sure. Whether that's directly, you know, whether you know there there are direct parallels to actual people, I'm not sure, but. That's one of the things I found interesting about this movie was wondering how conscious some of that was or wasn't, you know? Yeah. To be, I mean, to be fair, though, if you think about, you know, the sort of genre that you're entering into, the, 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 the monster movies and, uh, are, are frequently the kind of the vehicle for, you know, political discussion. Mm hmm. You know, if you if you read King Kong as as you know the story of the African American, right. as as Tarantino put it in *Inglorious Bastards*, or Godzilla as uh, you know the 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 after effects of nuclear war, um, whether consciously or not, you do sort of get into those sort of waters when you start to delve into this genre mm-hmm. a little bit. Um, yeah. Uh, but at other points in the movie, it's just kind of pure video game, the vicarious thrill of killing as many creatures as possible in a variety right. of brutal ways. Yeah. And that needs to happen in a Tremors too, or you're not doing your job properly. So Heard. <laughs> I mean, and, you know, it does feel as though because the rich people... The rich hunters of this movie, it does feel like care has been taken to show them as extremely clueless. Mm, yeah. Yeah. You know? And the fact uh, that I, I kind of like that, like, that's what I meant about the sort of, the kind of city slickers equivalent, you know, the sort of, you know, tech people are the new yuppies. Right. And it's kind of making the sort of same point but updated to to people in tech who are just kind of you know all the money in the world but no sense but no sense well and, and even no there's a, there's one part where there's one part where the the kind of main asshole of the rich people <laughs> 
yeah. who, who's escaping me right now. But he, I mean, he he gets attacked by a shrieker mm-hmm. conservatively six feet behind the others, <laughs> but nobody seems right. to notice that he's gone or dead, even though he left yeah. in a blaze of of screaming and blood. Yeah. And then it's, it's kind of like interesting, uh, you know, our centers of sympathy in the, in the series. And this is what I mean about, you know, we've never had such clearly defined villains in the series before. Right, yeah. It's, we've never really had people that you want to see fed to right. the, to the, yeah. the Fed to the Shriekers or fed to the Graboids or the Ass Blasters in the same way we have here, I think. Maybe a little bit in Bloodlines. Those Hunters yeah. and Bloodlines. Yeah. But certainly here it's like... Uh, it's the desire to see certain people with certain kinds of morals... Fall by the wayside, dispatched yeah. brutally. Yeah. As much as it is about, you know, uh, that the... Well, and even the good people don't survive. Even the heroes of this movie don't survive. Well, the hero. I was gonna say that's the one thing about this movie is everybody survives except the hero. Mm -hmm. All right, let's take another break, and then when we come back, we will finish out talking about Tremors, Shrieker Island. Right after this, everyone. I don't want to let him go. (laughs) We're going to commercial. If you're anything like me, you spend the majority of the day wondering whether you want coffee, beer, or wine. Whichever way you fall, Brew Bar has you covered. Located in the heart of 3rd Avenue Village in glorious downtown Chula Vista, California, which is also my neck of the woods, Brew Bar is a coffee shop, bar, and eatery rolled into one delightful package. Tim and Alex run the place, and let me tell you listeners, these guys know their coffee. And after you've been in their company, so will you. They turned me on to pour over, and it's literally all I drink now. If for some crazy reason you don't want to try the best coffee in the world, they've got espresso drinks, all kinds of teas, and even coffee cocktails. You heard me. Coffee tails. And we're just getting started. Bottle service on craft beer and wine, alcoholic and caffeinated potions, an all-day food menu with plenty of vegan options. All served up in an atmosphere hip enough to know you're getting the best quality, but not too hip that you feel the need to drive to 7-Eleven and get a bucket of brown swill. Brew Bar. It's the best place to be for beer, wine, coffee and tea. And if you go, you might even see me. And we're back. We are here talking, Tom and I, about Tremor's Shrieker Island. A movie I think we both really love. Yeah, it was my third favorite. If this is, yeah, this was my third favorite as well. Was it? I think so. Hmm. No. Fourth. I think it might. Yours might have been slightly lower. But uh, there's I an went... easy way. There's an easy way to find out. I know. And it'll get us more listeners. So <laughs> win-win for us. Forgetting <laughs> what we said. I just gotta listen to my own podcast <laughs> to. F- Fucking remember what I actually said. Yeah, it's a fun little game for the listeners to go back and, uh, and to <laughs> give us an extra click on earlier episodes. Go, go, go. <laughs> All right. Um, I mean, look, we've we've talked. You know, the funny thing is we've kind of jumped around. So we've spoiled yeah. that Burt Gummer does die at the end of this. Mm-hmm. We've got Bill. We've already talked about his dying early on yeah what else about this movie sticks out for you uh you know one thing i noticed yeah there are two or three characters we talked about in the previous podcast for uh cold day in hell too many characters Mm -hmm. and this one whittles it down more yeah but not only do they whittle it down more but there's either two or three characters who you just basically never hear from Mm -hmm. they don't speak (laughs) yeah so they never they never which which is better than giving them right you know like dialogue that's already been said and just rewritten yeah i found it really interesting i kept Mm -hmm. thinking is this a way they were trying to save money like they have extra characters here trying to take care of business 
you know, yeah, put put the traps together and make this and make that, but they don't ever speak. <laughs> There's at least two characters, one guy and one girl, who are, I was like, I don't think they've spoken a single line of dialogue. That's interesting. But it didn't bother me. <laughs> I just thought... No, it's, pre- it's, it's preferable to giving people yeah. lines that, that don't advance anything. Um, yeah, interesting. Could you be. don't want it anybody could... getting in the way of a good shitter death. Which this well, movie has. Well, I mean, you know, it's, it's <laughs> like, I guess it's, it's I like preferable. myself a good outhouse death. It's preferable to, uh, yeah, this movie keeps taking, like, Jurassic Park scenes and yeah, re- it does. remaking them verbatim. Um, <laughs> I, I think, you know, it's like if you're going to skimp somewhere, I'd rather they skimp on, you know, like pay, paying actors to deliver dialogue than... That we know, don't need to hear. Sand for snow. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> this is this is at least jungle for jungle. Wherever yes. this fucking jungle is, I don't know, but um it's Well, uh, it made me think that probably one of the reasons Michael Gross keeps coming back is you know, free vacation. He's always going somewhere interesting. <laughs> goes to Mexico, true. he goes to South Africa, he goes to I'm assuming the Philippines or somewhere close to the Philippines. Right, right. Yeah. Um, and well, I mean, in in the in the sort of negative category, I really the only other thing that kind of bothered me, and I think this is just Don Michael Paul because it's in all of the Tremors movies that he does, slow motion walking away from explosions. Yeah, right. Is not. I mean, uh, slow motion. In general, I have an issue with it. It certainly it needs to be the exception, not the rule, for it to work. And walking away from explosions, I've just seen it so many times. Right. I can't see it again. Yeah, I've no need to see it again. I I understand what that looks like. <laughs> I understand what it means. <laughs> it means those people look cool because they're walking away because from they're walking away. I get it. Just once, I'd like to see them fall down. Well, you know, like in I, slow I, motion, and all of a sudden you just see him get scared and fall to the ground. Like well, the only the only time, my goodness, you know, the, that was loud. The only time I want to see it if it is like real jeopardy, like mm-hmm. you know, if someone nearly died on set. That's the only time I want to hear about it. <laughs> there's a there's an old Doctor Who episode from the late '80s where that the Sylvester McCoy who was playing the doctor at the time was walking away from a it's like a circus tent that explodes behind him and he was seconds away from dying basically the explosion was like inches away from hitting him wow and he kind of and he he can tell like the explosion's bigger than it's supposed to be as as the actor and he just keeps the same. He just goes towards the camera and he walks away at the same pace. That's what I want to see here. I'm just like, you know, as soon as you add that slow motion in, you're kind of detracting from what danger you from the danger. You know, yeah. I, I want to basically I want to see someone dying or horribly scarred for the rest of their lives or don't do it. Yes. <laughs> don't 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 hearken back to. X-Men's origin Wolverine. That's not where you want to be. So, I mean, we talked a little bit about how we were starting to get the sense that this might be... They, they might really kill off Burt Gummer. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, the point at which I thought he really wasn't coming back was the highlight package. <laughs> <laughs> Seemed to me the clearest indication that he was leaving the series. Yeah, right. I don't think you do that. There's also that moment. It's just for for editing purposes. That's, you know, it's it's a lot of work. (laughs) Right. (laughs) I don't want to do this if he's going to come back. If it's a red herring, I ain't doing it. Don Michael, if you're going to do another one, like, I don't want to, you know. If you're going to come back, Michael, (laughs) then, you know, save us some time. But there's also uh, that moment, this is the movie, right, where before they go up the hill and all that shit happens, they, there's that moment where he sends everybody away. Right, but he's had so many last stands with Graboids. Even yeah, when but he there's gets... something in him where he... Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, where he's walking away and the thing is, you can see the dirt 
kind of moving behind you know behind him as he's walking there's there there was some sort of finality in that where he had accepted I can't even remember I think they they come up with a car or something like a jeep and then they just get away I can't even remember now now that I think about it but um well he at one point is <laughs> like I look at my notes now and they're just in denial that he's gonna <laughs> die because this is what I wrote Bert swallowed by graboid death's still not certain he's got <laughs> out of them before yeah and then I wrote explosion seems to seal it yeah <laughs> um even at you know at his funeral I thought he could still come back but then you know we got the highlights package and I thought he's probably well I started back. imagining you know in a serial kind of a way yeah uh like uh, misery when she's super mad when she says uh-huh. no you just rewrote you wrote it differently yeah like she was actually dead and buried you have to start there or whatever it is so but in the serial sort of way I imagined like seeing a knife come out of the belly of the completely well, well while we've it's seen in the that, air and we've seen and that him like before. swinging yeah him swinging on intestines into the rock. And hitting the ground and then exploding, and he just climbs down and walks off to go, you know, be by himself again in the jungle. That's why nobody could find him. There's also a sense of, you know, like, we can't just keep doing this where he... I might be already pitching my sequel, by the way, but... (laughs) (laughs) That's fine. Um, And, you know, of course, it's a mistake to recap footage from earlier films, but if not for Bert Gummer, then... I don't know when is a good time to do it. He's this man, just, just to contextualize it, he has been in every single yes, Tremors film, right. and there have been seven of them. You know, uh, he deserves his 30 minutes of dying in this movie. Right. right. And, his, and his epilogue as well. Right. Um, so, yeah, it's just, you know, it's... They've got rid of their their well only only legacy character the only character who was in the original movies mm-hmm. and the only person who's been in every I like that you defined movie. that for the audience well I've got these to be terms with you're my... making up for yourself yeah I, I, I catch I catch myself with uh, using this terminology that that uh, <laughs> that I have uh, I have invented um, so you know it's it's uh I think it, it's a it's a fitting it's a fitting send off, and uh, I like I kind of like that they've they've gone through with it, and um, I was half expecting a kind of psycho for the beginning moment of some sense that Bert might survive. Yeah, some visual or oral indication that he would survive, and I like the fact that they they didn't do that, and that they just kind of gave him his basically like you know his his epitaph. Um, no, it's, it's like the words, that little added blurb at the end is yeah. a little piece of magic. Um, so it's it's kind of you know it's inter- it's it it changes everything. Celebrate really. Burt Gummer Day on April fourteenth, and don't forget to pay your taxes. That's yeah. fucking great. <laughs> and I I mean I made a reference in the in the previous. Uh, episode about a cold day in hell about how strange that Burt Gummer's dialogue was getting and here we have a scene in it where um, where John Hader's Jimmy starts to try and do Burt Gummerisms and another one the character responds Burt Gummer can pull off that stuff yeah, you right. can't <laughs> no. and it's just this kind of like this this late franchise self-awareness about you know what the value of Burt Gummer is to the series. It's like it strikes this guy... just the right chord. You yeah. know, yeah, just yeah. Um. So in a way, it's that's even more impressive that they they do make they make the decision to kill him off and stick with it because they 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 understand the value. You know that he is essentially the series at this point. Yes. And to kill him is to effectively end it, at least. Uh, give you an end point for now. Yeah, for now. 
And you know that the there's that without it turning into fatigue, as I felt in in a cold day in hell. You know, where where people were just bored with the same things happening again and again, and then having to explain the same things again and again. I felt like here they made they ha- found a way to make it work. There's that great line of uh, that uh, Jimmy has where he says, "Everything old is new, Bert." Yeah, <laughs> and that's like right. it's like we're living. You know, we're living in like the. You know, we need we're we're in a period of media history where every everything not it doesn't even have to become a franchise to get rebooted like it it yeah right it just has to be one or two movies not even that and it will get rebooted and rebooted and rebooted and uh you know there's some acknowledgement of tremor's place in that and its longevity over time um so i mean this would this would be a fitting end to the the series but it it doesn't need to end here no right um well, let me ask but, you this. Mm-hmm. Would you like to see another movie? I don't know. I mean, it's uncharted territory, isn't it? Because mm-hmm. we don't we don't know what these movies look like without Burt Gummer. And the only evidence, the only movie we have of the sequels where Burt Gummer wasn't the main character is Aftershocks and, and we talked a lot about from how the, yeah. how you know Fred Ward carrying this movie uh is is a problem so so you know what it comes down to is it seems to me you take a look as at Aftershocks as an example Fred Ward not serviceable as the character we have to concentrate on. Right. And it has to be Burt Gummer. So if you're going to do another one, you have to either have Burt Gummer or a Burt Gummer surrogate. But now you get into a question of, you would really find out to what extent, and I think it's to the complete extent, that Michael Gross makes these movies. Yeah, you would. You would. It'd be a very yeah. clear indication, very early on, um, like how tenable is this without Michael Gross? Right. Um, the also the problem is that they've already done a prequel. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> you fucked yourself yeah, there you fucked because yourself that's the natural next step here. Right. <laughs> Unless you want to continue, you know, continue the story of hiring Gummer and just, you know, yeah, you could. It's like I know, I know, you said we didn't. <laughs> I know you said we never talk about this again, but, but we're going to talk about it again once, and then we have to go back to that thing where we we'll never talk about it again. <laughs> um, it's 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 just hard. It's hard to imagine. I mean, based on the movies we've done, I'm trying to think of like other other equivalents where. I can't think of any where you know one actor, not just a character, is this is is the through line the of the series. Yeah. yeah, and we haven't encountered one of those yet. I mean, I guess the Terminator comes close, probably, but even you know Schwarzenegger isn't even in yeah. a couple of those movies, and sometimes only there in body only. Right. Um, yeah. <laughs> in CGI so. only. So it is. It is kind zeros. of you know. It's a. It's it's almost unprecedented. Uh, and um, yeah, I don't know where I don't know where it goes next. Interesting. Well, we'll find out when we pitch a sequel. On the other hand, I don't <laughs> think Mom Don Michael Paul has an issue with recasting, if his IMDb is anything to go by. I'll say, <laughs> if he can switch Schwarzenegger for Lundgren. He's probably he'll probably have no problem coming up with a Michael Gross type. Yeah, once you start making movie. multiple Jarhead sequels and turn that for that movie into a an action franchise. Yeah, I'm assuming Jake Gyllenhaal isn't in any of those. No. Um, maybe Maggie Gyllenhaal. Does Michael Michael Gross have any relatives? 
Oh, fair, fair question. I don't probably not. Um, yeah, it's. Oh well, I guess I mean they they could they could go down the route of who's played the the kind of uh, Bruno Kirby, uh, Richard Castellano route of who's played right. who's played a younger version of of that character yeah, of right. that character and go with Noel Wiley who played his son in ER. There you go. Now very visually cinema <laughs> similar, and he I'm pretty sure he just had a show cancelled. So. <laughs> And he's another one that like like his screen dad Michael Gross. He likes to work. There you go. He doesn't let age or not being in ER anymore stop him from working. Fuck no. So there you go. No Noah Wiley. All right. As uh Bert Gummer. Ben Gummer. Ben <laughs> Gummer. <laughs> not recast, sorry. <laughs> ben. Well we could still have young Bert Gummer. Right? Yeah. Because it was a non-ancestral young Burt Gummer. Sure. Anyway. All right. Well. <laughs> Feels like this is a conversation for an episode with a different format. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, that's it for Tremors, Shrieker Island. A Go current movie. Watch this movie. All you have to do is fucking press a button on your TV. And you're done. <laughs> Just fucking watch it. <laughs> and then, and then you let the good times roll. <laughs> Alright, when you hear from us next, we will be pitching a sequel to the Tremors sequels. Tom Stewart from Lonesome Whistle Productions. I'm Mike Schantz from the How Dare You Awards. We'll see you on the flip side. Say goodbye, Tom. Don't forget to pay your taxes. Yeah. Celebrate Bert Gummer. All right. April 14th, (laughs) y'all. Next time.